Welcome. Hi, I'm Mickey, and this is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners, and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness, and well-being. And I'm delighted that you're here. Kia ora everyone, it's Mickey here and you are listening to Wikipedia and this week on the podcast I have the pleasure of speaking to Art Green, best known as the first New Zealand bachelor, now health and wellbeing advocate, podcast and TV host, husband to Matilda and dad to Milo and Autumn and basically an all around decent human being. We discuss his businesses, Clean Paleo, Plate Up, and the lessons that they taught him about being in business. We discuss his podcast and controversy behind the Paleo Pete episode. He's very open about all of this stuff. We obviously talk about Bachelor and meeting his now wife, Matilda, which cast them both in the spotlight, and what it's like being a dad and how that has really changed life and we discuss how that's also shifted the focus about what has what is important for both Matilda and Art in terms of how they want to spend their time and show up in life. This is such a great honest chat with one of New Zealand's most likeable celebrities. I was so honoured to have him on the show so um i really think that you will enjoy this and you know we talk health and geek out and that as well because of course that's something which art is super passionate about and obviously i appreciate that so we will put links to where you can find art on instagram and of course links to his well and good podcast of which i was a guest on and that was a great chat also but before we crack on into that, I'd just like to remind you that the best way to support Wikipedia is to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and give us a five-star rating if you love it. That would be amazing because there are a plethora of podcasts out there and the best way for people to be aware that Wikipedia even exists is word of mouth and podcast platforms so if you can do that that would be amazing second best way to support us is to head to my website sign up to the recipe portal access over there you get access to over 900 recipes my weekly email regular lives on our facebook page and the ability to interact directly with me via our online system so i can best help support your nutrition needs all right, team, please enjoy the conversation that I have with Art Green. Art Green, great to have this opportunity to chat to you on my podcast. How are you this morning? I'm pretty good. I'm, uh, well, I'm kind of good. I feel like I thought I was through the winter of sickness and I've just, I got a cold. I just got a cold and uh, it's annoying me because, yeah, I really thought that I'd I'd lasted, I've gotten through the winter and I'd had all the sicknesses that I was going to have and I saw the light at the end of the tunnel and now I've got another cold and I'm a bit annoyed. And do we put this down to having two infants? <laughs> Absolutely. They just like, they just bring home all sorts of bugs from their little, their daycare. And like, I'm not the type of person that usually gets 
that sick. Um, and this winter, I've just had so many colds. And, uh, and I think it's just a combination of, you know, everyone being back up, you know, mixing around each other and, you know, us being in lockdown last winter and stuff. And then, you know, now all the bugs are just running rampant and the borders are back open. And so different strains of viruses are coming back to New Zealand or coming into New Zealand. And um, yeah, it's just a giant mixing pot and uh, there's no way around it, no way to avoid it. And you know what, Art, if you, you are like this sort of uh, icon of health and wellness in New Zealand, if you are struggling with all of your health hacks, if you like, then can you imagine what the general sort of uh, Joe public is dealing with? It's interesting. Like, um, I've been thinking about this as well because I, I thought like, you know, I'm, I take my health so seriously and I really try and do, you know, so many different things every day that to improve my health and keep it tip top. Right. But I get just as sick as everyone else. And so I just, I don't know what it is. Um, I think with viruses and a lot of things like that, sometimes, you know, I don't think the the mechanisms at play are properly understood. Um, and so I don't know if we really know how to really avoid them. Um, yeah. Totally. And you know what? It's in in my head, because I think about this a lot as well, is, is yes, you want to be resilient to try and prevent, you know, you want your immune system robust enough to fight whatever it is that sort of comes at it. So potentially your level of sickness may be, at a sort of reduced or a minimal level compared to say someone else and um so I wasn't going to jump in here but I will actually because I do what I want to chat to you about today Art is about you and about your background and how you've progressed to be this sort of New Zealand icon for health and wellness in the best possible way because you are like the boy next door in all of that as well which I think makes you you know super cool and this is one of the reasons why you are who you are um however can I bring up the Pete Evans episode or not sure yeah, so so interesting because as I was doing my research, and of course, um, you'll remember back in 2020, obviously when you and Matilda had your first iteration of your podcast, there was a lot of backlash when you had Pete Evans on your podcast. And look, for what it's worth, I feel really sad that he's gone out of the public eye because his recipes were amazing, and I loved watching him on My Kitchen Rules. Um, can you look? Can we just have a chat about? Uh, that whole sort of episode and sort of how it went down in, in light of, um, yeah, give us yeah. a bit of a debrief. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so we, uh, so yeah, like you said, Maddie and I, my wife and I had this podcast, had our, our podcast Well and Good, um, and we decided to interview Pete Evans. And it was like Pete Evans had been a, oh, I mean, kind of like an idol for me because, because I loved everything that he said in the way of nutrition you know he was he was the forefront of the paleo movement in australia and at the same time that's uh, a, a way of eating that i was discovering for myself and i just thought it had so much merit and i liked the way that he spoke about it quite um quite openly and wasn't afraid to you know go against what the mainstream nutritional advice was at the time um and so he then I mean he he got so much backlash from uh, from the Australian media Australian public 
about his nutritional views, you know, because it was seen as being so, um, well, it was seen as being so wrong um, at the time. Yeah. But then that's all been, you know, everything that he talked about from a nutritional point of view is now absolutely backed up 100% by pretty much all nutritionists um, around the world. Anyway, that's why we were really excited to get him on and have a chat. And that's what um, we wanted to talk about on the podcast was nutrition. Um, we got him on at the at pretty much the time when COVID was just starting to rear its head around the world. And it hadn't yet made it over to New Zealand. So we didn't really know what to expect and didn't know how serious it was. And Pete Evans came on the podcast and he said some stuff that was, well, it just... You know, he said some stuff that was very controversial. Um, he was talking about uh, COVID being, um, well, he pretty much said COVID, he thought that COVID was a hoax. Um, and Did he say it was a hoax or did he say that the um, the public-facing sort of how we deal with it was more of a hoax? Did he actually say COVID, the vex, the, the, the flu, the virus was a hoax or did he say that he thought that the no you're right so he didn't say that the virus was a hoax he accepted that the virus was a real virus but he thought that the way you're right that the response to the virus was almost a bit of a hoax as in it's been blown way out of proportion um we are jumping to get some um some vaccinations and we're isolating and we're doing all the stuff that um he didn't believe was necessary um for the level of severity of the virus um and so there was so much um so much backlash from that um for for us um for for maddie and myself for um i mean really just basically giving him a a platform to to speak because i think a lot of people thought that what he was talking about was very dangerous and Maddie and I were very naive in that we, you know, we, we had no idea. We had no, no idea where the conversation was going to go. And we also uh, had no idea about COVID and or anything to do with it because um, it was also new and hadn't really uh, made itself comfortable in New Zealand. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a very strange time um, for us. We learned uh, very quickly about um well, you know, it, it's it's a funny thing because it makes you think about like who who decides who's allowed to speak about what. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's a it's a huge it's a big it's a far bigger conversation than um than just the conversation topic that we were talking about. Um, and so, yeah, it's I don't know, it's. Uh, it's a weird, it was a weird, it was a weird scenario, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, um, when I was, so Pete Evans was sort of, if I say he was like two or three years ahead of where mainstream was in terms of nutrition, right? Because he was absolutely one of my introductions to pain or not introduction, but he sort of, his popularity increased and in, in what he was saying about paleo was sort of happening at the time a couple of years after I had sort of discovered it as mm. well um and man how late to the party were we about you know like because you know Mark Sisson and and Lauren Cordain and Rob Wolf I mean that was you know 
back over in the US, it was almost, it was so much more popular. And the level of vitriol around what Pete said from the dietitians in Australia, just with regards to his paleo approach, was just makes you realize how much protection of the patch there is around nutrition and who's allowed to say what, as you said, if we're just thinking about that nutrition space. But then, of course, um, his whole approach sort of took a different, but almost over the years, it sort of transitioned from just nutrition to more lifestyle, more spiritual. Like, I suppose he got more and more, some would say extreme in his views on some things. And I guess he sort of had positioned himself in this way where no one's ever really going to be happy with what he had to say, probably. And it's no surprise that his opinions on the public health approach around COVID were a hoax or propaganda or however you want to put it, because he was so, you know, his message was metabolic health was being healthy first and foremost, and our immune system should be able to fight this off. Now, whether or not that was in fact the case, the first, you know, like because COVID's really changed over the years, right? Since it's original, the alpha COVID, which really hit hard versus the potential mild impact that COVID might have on someone now because it's sort of gone through its iterations. So for potentially the general person nowadays, it is actually more about metabolic health than it is about sanitizing and getting your fourth booster. Um, yeah. But that wasn't a message. But, but I suppose no one knew at the time what what COVID was, you no, know, was really. No, that's right. I think, I think it was, um, yeah, I think it was just very abrasive as well, the way that he, um, the way that he was, positioning and his messaging um and uh probably just a little bit insensitive to some people who you know at the time there were people over in the uk who had loved ones that had died from um this virus totally. right and so then to say that um oh it's not as serious as as people are saying and stuff um you know it's it's pretty hard to pretty hard to hear i imagine but i mean it's uh, it's a really it's a it's a weird one though, isn't it? Because it um oh I don't know honestly <laughs> it's do, do, a, it's such yeah. a, it's such a big topic and I um do art do things like that knock your confidence mm, or, or how do you how do you deal yeah. with that stuff? Because I did at, yeah. at the time it definitely probably did knock my confidence. You know, um I started thinking like I mean, oh, at, at first I was very um. I was very kind of just like, oh, like, shut up. Like, I can I can say what I want. Um, you know, I didn't, I'm just, get, I'm just, you know, having conversations with people. Um, and then, and then I think it did knock my confidence and I started to question what my role in, like, what, what am I actually doing and what is my, my purpose around this sort of thing? And I started to think more about, you know, I really just want to help people. And I, and I also don't want drama. Um, and, and for me, like going through that whole drama, um, I just, I couldn't be bothered with it. And so it's like a fine line, I think, between wanting to speak what may be the truth and then also wanting to speak uh, what I think is most helpful 
for everyone at the time. <laughs> I think it's, it sounds yeah. a little cryptic, but um, no, no, I yeah. get it. It's that fine balance between sort of living in a way and speaking about things that, that you really you, that you do sort of believe in, but then what's going to be most helpful for the people who are actually looking to you for advice, for uh, information, because that is, you know, like health and wellness icon. I mean, I keep saying mm. that and I don't mean to make you feel uncomfortable, but that's, um, you know, like you're on Instagram daily giving, you know, with your little personal trainers, yeah. um, so cute, um, giving advice on, on fitness, on things for longevity, um, like your whole balance video the other day like getting people to think about their health in a way which is practical and it is things that they can do something about yeah. so I you know yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. exactly right and it's but it's like there is a, a you know the the stuff I post is is certainly not um everything uh that I that I do or that is you know about my life um and so I mean for an exact for example I I currently um I eat raw liver raw beef liver as a um because it's so nutrient dense and um and it actually just makes me feel good but I don't post about that um and the reason I don't post about that is because I just feel like I would probably it just opens up a can of um that opens me up to potentially you know people saying you know that's you shouldn't be doing that um oh, what like you know a lot of like vegans would probably um have a go at me and then people would also say, no, it's not safe because it's raw. You need to cook it and like all sorts of stuff that I honestly, I just can't be bothered with. So that's that line that I, that I toe that I'm sort of like, you know, I sort of just can't be bothered talking about um, some stuff. <laughs> it's, it's like what's palatable for the public, yeah. right? And so, uh, you know, I, um, I see you're only 34. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I thought I was, I thought I was 33. Actually, it was quite depressing. Um, I turned 34 in, in May and I was sure I was turning 33 and then and so did Maddie my wife and then we realized that no I was actually a whole year ahead so yeah that was yeah. a good little uh good little wake up yeah and in fact however though I feel like you've sort of been in that public eye for so much longer I was surprised you were only 34 I thought surely this guy's closer to 40 no offense like no, it's not right. nothing to do with with how you look but it's more about because I feel like you've you've been in our public eye for so long did was that always a goal for you to sort of be a public figure be well known like what was 15 year old art doing was he wanting to be a celeb or what no um definitely not I oh well I definitely never thought about being um well known that was never um something that I considered or wanted um I think from a young age I was quite extroverted maybe a little bit theatrical so I I, I do remember like wanting to um be an actor when I was very young um but then that shortened street well I think I wanted to be a movie a movie actor when I was you know like in my like primary school years and then and you know I'd, I'd um do little performances with my friends and and to put on skits and do all sorts of stuff like that which was which I really enjoyed and then and then in high school it moved more towards um probably wanting I, I think I wanted to be maybe even like wanted to be an all black or, or wanted to be um some sort of sportsman 
I think part of that was because I really wanted to live the life of a sportsman, not necessarily to be the best or be well known. It was more like I want to be playing a game and to then also just be paid to practice and keep fit and get good at something. Like I thought that sounds like a cool lifestyle and, and travel. So that was kind of what I what I thought would be quite cool. Then I went to university, studied sports science. Um, I did that because I was really interested in the human body and I actually had no idea what I wanted to study, but I liked PE at school. So I was like, okay, cool. That's kind of a continuation. And then um, and then I did I, I did a bunch of travel, a few little a few random jobs, and then I just I fell into that. Um, well, I, I guess my my interests developed into um, food and nutrition and health. In that way, I began a a health food company with a friend, a couple of friends, and then after that was, um, yeah, I got went on the bachelor. I sort of fell onto that really. Yeah, now I I do want to ask about that because you did you spend a period of time personal training? Is that correct? And then come back to New Zealand to Wellington. Am I am I right in that? Um, so I did uh, I did a few or like a couple of years of personal training and uh, and gym management in the mines in Western Australia. So I um, was managing this little this gym in this mining village. It was like a maybe one thousand person mining camp that just pops up in the middle of the red red desert so i managed that gym there for like four weeks in a row we'd fly from perth we'd fly to this mine site and then i'd work there for four weeks in a row and then i'd have one week off and i'd often travel yeah. and then fly back and do another four week stint and and uh so i did that for, for almost two years and then i came back i actually came back to well uh to auckland sorry came back to auckland yeah started the yeah. food business and that's kind of yeah. where it went yeah and then when did you sort of get your interest in uh, ancestral health and um, paleo-type approach to eating? Did that happen whilst you were working in that personal training sort of space? Yeah, it absolutely did. So when I was working in the mines, I, I'd get – all these people would come to me and say, you know, what's the best diet? What should I be eating? What should I be avoiding? And And at the time, like, I had studied – a, a decent amount of nutrition at university and and I was like I, I actually don't know like I don't know what the best diet is I don't know what you should be eating and so I thought well this is a bit weird so I'm going to just do my own research and I had lots of downtime in this job um basically I trained people a little bit in the morning and a little bit in the evening and I had the whole day free where these miners would be down at the mine site um getting iron ore out of the ground and I would just be doing my own workouts and learning actually I did lots of reading so I started looking into nutrition and trying to figure out like what the current science is and and there were you know like anything there are a whole different a few different schools of thought on it and so I thought well I'm just going to try out a whole bunch of different um, eating regimes kind of diets for myself and so I started looking at each of these four week stints that I was on the mind site as a bit of a an experiment period so oh, nice. so I'd use um, because I could control my my diet pretty easily I had all my food supplied and it was all really good food and I could really choose how I wanted to eat so I tried a ketogenic diet I tried uh, paleo I tried 
vegetarian. I tried vegan. I tried raw food. That was quite hard because it wasn't very enjoyable with the food that I that I had on the mind site. Um, and I tried, oh, I tried like Isogenics, which is a supplement based, um, based, uh, diet thing. And I tried that because there were so many people that were, were on that in the mind sites. Um, and they really wanted to know if it was any good. So I was like, well, I can't advise you unless I'm going to try it. So I tried that. And, um, but paleo was the one that, that felt the best for me. And it made the most sense for me based on the, ideology behind it which is uh, ancestral nutrition and basically eating for our biology the way that we've been evolved to eat and um i just never really stopped i just i kept going um and i just felt really good and then this was at a time when it wasn't very popular and so who were your early in- influences in that um i think uh, rob wolf was was one of them based from the states um I mentioned Mark Sisson. Did he come yeah, up in he your work? Yeah, Mark Sisson was one of the yeah. very early, very early guys. I'm trying to think. There was another one who I had a book of. I can't even remember it. Chris Cresser? No, it wasn't. Was there another Rob? Someone? Uh, anyway, um, yeah, most of them were based in the states, and then uh, yeah, and so you just kind of see what they're doing, um, and it just made so much sense. And so then, yeah, I just I just carried on doing it, and then that's when I came back to New Zealand and no one was really doing anything in that space. And so the business that I um, started with my friends was a paleo business, just providing um, foods and snacks for, for people who wanted to eat that way as well. I think I remember seeing you and your business partner, ex New Zealand cricketer. Mitch. Yeah. Mitch at Faro one morning yeah. and you were handing out paleo cereal. Yeah, yep, that was And us. I'm like, well, this is delicious. Mm. Um, and that was when, I, I can't recall when that would have been. I want to say um, 2012, but it might not have been. It might have been, um, yeah, it might have been a little bit might have been after bit that, later, I don't know. 2014 or something. Something like that. Yeah, it would have been like 2014, 2015, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, well, that was sort of delicious. But so from there, how did you fall into The Bachelor? Yeah, so then I... I basically, so I was, I had a modeling, I was on a, a, a modeling and talent agencies uh, book, basically back when oh, I was at, yeah. yeah, back when I was at university, I did a little bit of um, modeling work and by a hand, li- hand, hand modeling, hand modeling or? no, but the, the modeling <laughs> that I did was hilarious actually. So I, um, I got into it because my sister, she was like, Hey, you know, I was a student, had no money. She was like, Hey, you can earn like two grand if you do this modeling job. Um, because she saw <laughs> an ad come up, she's like, "You'd be good at this," and um, and it was for modeling in a for for a shower company, and so you had to like um be in a shower, and so she's like, "Yeah, why don't you just like go for it? Like put you know put your name forward or whatever," and so I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, so anyway, put my name forward. Didn't really think much about it, and anyway, I, I ended up getting the gig. So I went along to this place, and uh, first of all. They're like, um, you're going to need a G-string, a hand-colored G-string. <laughs> I was like, okay, um, well, let's let's go find one of those. So I went to farmers, went to a few different shops, and they didn't have guys' ones. So I had to find a female tan-colored G-string, which I found, and um, went along to this thing. Never done any modeling before, and I'm like thrust into this like shower scene, 
where yeah i'm just like pretending to be in a shower well i wasn't pretending i was in a shower and the water was quite <laughs> cold and i was just in there for hours while they were taking photos of me it was a very strange um experience and by the end of it like the elastic is like wearing out on these g on the g string and i'm like falling out and it was just like anyway so that was my um that was my modeling and so i then stayed i stayed on the books of this modeling agency and then yeah uh went away went, went to australia came back started this business and then um and then the opportunity came up the tv producers who were making the, the show the bachelor reached out to a whole bunch of um agencies and stuff to see you know do you have someone that fits this profile that might be good for this position on this on this tv show they didn't really say much about it because they couldn't and the agency that i was with um found me and they and they said uh yeah they basically just said hey uh would you be interested in you know being put forward for this potential show that we think is the bachelor but we're not sure and i was like yeah cool Go for it. Did that, I didn't really... Was one of the first things they ask is, ah, "Are you single?" Yeah, they did. Are you still single? <laughs> yep, was, yep. Did that ad ruin your your uh, <laughs> that, that totally your was. romantic uh, <laughs> possibilities? Anyway, yeah. Yeah, and so they, um, yeah, so then I just I said yeah um, without really thinking about it, and then they, and then I had to do some different interviews and you know, like a, a five-hour psychometric assessment to figure out oh. if I was crazy or how you know how crazy I was. Yeah. And um yeah, and then they finally asked me, you know, do you want to do it? Um, because we'd like you for you to do it. And then like I at that point where it was like, you know, I had to really make a big decision. I talked about it with my business partners because I thought, you know, sure, if I um if I come across looking good, then that's great, good for the business. Um mm -hmm. but if I come across looking like an absolute asshole, then um <laughs> then you know, it probably won't be that good and and like because my business partners were quite um cautious with that sort of thing so I had to sort of um yeah just we, we made a decision together actually and then um yeah. and then also talking about it with my family and stuff and but it, in, at the end of the day the main thing I thought was like am I ever going to regret this opportunity like am I ever going to regret this if I said no to this opportunity and I thought you know I probably yeah. would so why not just do it? So just do yeah. it. the rest is. Do they pay you? Do they pay you for that art? Yeah, they do. Yep. So they pay you for it. So they paid me. I mean, I'm not going to say how much they paid me, but no, um, no, no. they paid me a sum. And then I think they, yeah, like they pay you while you're, while you're doing it as well, you know? Um, and then, and similarly with the, um, the contestants on the show as well, all the women on there also got paid and they were paid for um you know each day that they were on there mm. yeah yeah did you go in thinking this is a good business opportunity or i'm going to meet my wife i thought about it like both i thought yeah um wow. you know because at the time also i didn't have much money so i actually i think i thought about it like yep cool i'm going to be doing something where it's justifying my time because i'm getting paid for doing it so i'm like okay cool so there's a little financial incentive um, it's going to be a really cool experience that I think is going to be fun to do and also an awesome story for like yeah. my friends and my potential kids. Like one day I can be like, no, I was on TV. And uh, and then thirdly, I thought, you know, I might actually meet someone um, on the show. I know it. I know it does happen. You know, it's the chances are pretty low. I'd seen what um, had happened on previous well, I'd heard what had happened on other 
seasons of this show around the world and how it wasn't usually that successful. Um, but I, I don't know. I just thought, you know, it would be pretty cool if it worked out and I just got nothing to lose really. No, got nothing to lose. So, and that's kind of how I had lived my life up until then. And I still do now is like, I mean, just go for it and just, I feel like a, a positive um, outlook generally just seems to result in a positive outcome. And um, yeah, that's how it's worked out for me. Yeah, nice. And how early on did you know that Maddie was going to be the one that you would choose? Pretty much day one. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Oh, it was, it was so weird though, Mickey, because like we filmed for two months and we filmed every day for two months. And the first month, was like fun it was really cool um I was really enjoying myself and making some good connections with like with Maddie and and also a couple of the other women as well and then the second month it just became so tiring it became like a job long hours and during in that sort of environment I just I don't think it's really possible to to know how you really feel and to have like real feelings um, because it was such a stressful environment. And so for the first month, I was like, cool, I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up with Maddie. I, I, I know I like her quite a lot. In the second month, I was like, I don't like anyone. Like, this is <laughs> hard. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm getting tired. I can't be bothered. Like, is this even, am I going to like end up, a lot of doubt came into it. Am I going to end up with someone that I don't want to be with? And like, I started to get worried and I was like, oh man. And so I was really confused by the end of it. Um, oh, I can imagine. And uh, but luckily, I chose the right woman, and I chose Maddie. And um, yeah, thank God I did. Yeah, and because and did you have the opportunity after the bachelor to have some downtime and actually just do, like you almost sort of um, fast forwarded your relationship, but then you sort of need, I imagine, needed to sort of fill in a lot of the gaps. Yeah, big time. Post show. Yep, yeah, totally. Yeah, so we did. We we fast forwarded the relationship, and then we had to like pretty much just start from the beginning. You know, like at the end of um, the final episode of our season, it's like cool. What people see on the show is like, oh, these two are in love. They're gonna, you know, live happily ever after. And on other in America and stuff, that the Bachelor often proposes to the to the Bachelorette. You know, at the very end. Yeah. But for us, it felt like, okay, well, now we've finished filming. I feel like now we can properly go on a real first date because we don't know each other at all. You know, in front of the cameras and stuff, you don't really get to know anyone um, very well. So we didn't really know each other at all by the time we finished filming. So we just had to start again, start from scratch. Um, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, just like start from the beginning. Um, and in a very weird scenario, because now we were in the public eye having to have our a relationship having to start a relationship in secrecy for a couple of months as well just due to timelines of when the show was being released yeah so yeah, it was a strange it was a strange beginning to a relationship for sure yeah but you're as you sort of pointed out having um have good stories to tell your grandchildren and uh yeah. and children and was Maddie also interested in that more holistic health approach uh that you were or was she sort of learning along the way and, and stuff? She wasn't as into it as I was. She was into, she was interested in health, probably for, from a different perspective and for different reasons. She had done a lot of, um, 
a lot of like intensive exercising and um and I guess some like restrictive diets like previously before I met her but that was not really from a health and holistic health point of view it was more to do with just trying to basically look um a certain way and so I think when we got together we both you know I was still I was still learning a whole lot about holistic health as well and so we kind of learned a whole lot together and um and realized that we we shared that um common interest um and passion for health um together which was really cool and so um now I feel like there are a whole lot of aspects of health and well-being that she is um more knowledgeable than I am on as well so um I feel like we I feel like we complement each other really well. Yeah, nice. In art, I have to confess, I don't watch TV, actually. Great. Um, that's that's <laughs> a, I mean, I'd say that's probably one of the best things you can do for your health. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oh, clearly The Bachelor opened a lot of doors for you in that space. So um, are you currently on any show that I could be watching right now? No, I don't think so. No, I've done a little bit of... um. This year, a little, a few little shows, being like guests on, uh, being a guest on different shows. Um, there's potential that I might be doing some TV stuff later this year. That'll be like filming later this year, and then, um, uh, and then it probably won't be on until next year. But I'm um, still waiting to figure out if that's going to be a thing or not. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you still enjoy it? Yeah, yeah, I do. I um. I do enjoy the industry. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, actually, mostly it's just, it's a lot of fun. Um, everyone has fun when they're filming. Usually, you know, I like to joke around with the crew and and just enjoy my time doing it. Um, I think I enjoy that more so than, than like watching it. Like I hardly ever watch myself on TV. I'm more just, um, I enjoy doing it at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine that it might be a nice sort of contrast because you've got a really lovely space in Matakana where it's nice and, you know, quiet and you really do the family life thing. But then, of course, you've got your um, Auckland-based work. I say Auckland, but, you know, your sort of more city-based work. Uh, does it complement each other well? Yeah, totally. Um, we... I mean, I'll, I'll, I will correct you. We're actually, we're in Walkworth, which is, um, it's sort of like the, uh, how would you describe Walkworth to Matakana? It's kind of like the, the Huntley. cousin. Huntley. <laughs> yeah. Walkworth is like the cousin of Matakana, you know, the cousin that's like, doesn't dress as well. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and probably, you know, <laughs> sort of, yeah. So like the, the povo, povo cousin of, um, of Matakana. <laughs> but we, we absolutely love it. It's, um, it's just yeah. an area that is, it's really community based and um it's just not pretentious at all i mean i just walk around in bare feet and you know old clothes um all the time and and don't get a second look and i i really i really like that um i find myself coming down to auckland and like just being far more conscious about like what i'm wearing and you know all sorts of stuff like that so um yeah we moved up here about three and a half years ago um and it's so far it's just been amazing it's just such a great environment to raise kids and and you're right um having that having Auckland maybe 45 minutes away is is close enough for us that we can just pop down when we need to and get that like taste of the city and do bits and pieces of work and yeah it works really well for us 
Yeah, nice. And so uh, obviously Clean Paleo was, you know, it was quite a prominent brand for a good few years in New Zealand. Like you sort of almost forfeited a lot of sort of subsequent brands coming through. And now for whatever reason, Paleo has a um, a bad rap now. And I feel a little bit sad about that because I feel like a lot of the principles and the food and the lifestyle stuff, I mean, it's it's like people are too scared to use the word paleo because then suddenly you're in a tribe and you're labeled and, and things like that. How do you feel about that? Actually? Mm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, it is, uh, it does have a, uh, yeah, it does have kind of like a bad rap. Um, I mean, I don't really, I don't really care. Um, I, <laughs> the thing is, ever since I started meditating, like yeah. <laughs> four or five years ago, I just care less about stuff and it's oh, fantastic. Great. Um, but anyway, I think that people don't like to pigeon pigeonhole themselves. And I mean, I personally don't, um, I will say, you know, if someone says, you know, what sort of foods do you eat or how do you eat or what's your diet? I'll say, I predominantly eat whole foods and um, I mean, I could say like holistic nutrition or like, you know, something like that. But at the end of the day, paleo is the one framework um, or diet, if you want to call it a diet that is closest to the way I, the way I live. And so it just does become easier to say paleo because then it's like, there's a, a line in the sand of like what foods are included and what foods aren't included. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people want, the it's where like people want to know what to eat and what not to eat right you know they they don't nuance is um is great if you're if you've experimented with nutrition a lot yourself if you know a lot about if you know a decent enough amount about um food its effects and your own body and how it responds to different foods so that you can be like cool well i know these foods are good for me i know these foods are bad for me i'm gonna like eat mostly the good foods, but I, I know that I can tolerate this bad food or I can, I might even say bad food, like I can tolerate this food that maybe not as good as the other foods, right? And so you, there's a lot of nuance there. Once you, once you get a great understanding of nutrition and your own body, then you can play around with things and, and, and eat the way that really suits you best from a nutritional, uh, from a physical point of view and, uh, and a mental point of view because food is so um, psychosocial as well. Um, totally. But, but if you don't, then people want to know yes or no, can I eat this? Can I like, should I avoid this? And so that's where I think, um, you know, a, a food, a diet label, um, can be helpful for some people. Um, but yeah, you're right. Paleo. I don't know. I think probably Pete Evans probably had a bit to do with paleo, um, being, having a bit of a bad name as well, because yeah. um, he was so tightly associated with, with paleo, paleo Pete. And so then he's, you know, been, uh, you know, ridiculed, he's a disgrace. And so then like everything about him um, and things he's associated with are also bad as well. So I don't know, maybe they had something to do with it too. Yeah. Do I never see anything about him anymore. Mm. Like it's almost like he's vanished off the face of the earth. Um, do you, if it's, is it just me and my social media that misses it or um no i think it's i think it's all social media i think he's been um he's banned off all social media oh mm. God. yeah anyway um uh what i will say is i agree with you art in that there are you know particular diets or frameworks that get a that or people really um there's backlash against rules if you like mm. around food but 
for some people who really don't um, have an awareness of how food affects them, sometimes rules can be really helpful because it takes that decision-making burden away from them, you know, and, and people have so much that they have to think about that actually if you provide them with the yes and the no sort of columns, then they're like, oh, sweet, I'm good. I, I do this, I don't have to do that. Actually, there's a lot of freedom in those rules because they're not constantly sort of double guessing or questioning themselves. So I appreciate that. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, people people just, a lot of people just want to be told. And you're right. I think I think every decision that you have to make has a little bit of stress that that is associated with it. And so every decision, um, even like easy decisions have a tiny bit of stress and obviously more difficult decisions have more stress associated with them. But yeah, if you can minimize those decisions that you have to make, then you're going to minimize your stress. Yeah, completely. Now, so um, what happened to clean paleo? Why do I no longer see it on my shelves? Oh, Mickey, what happened to clean paleo? Uh, how long ago? Am I asking? Oh God, is it like that? <laughs> well, we um, uh, it was pretty. Oh, it's kind of, it's quite sad, really, um, because it was such a cool company, and we, and we, you know, we're making really cool products that were helping a lot of people, and we've done really yeah. well because to have a very niche, you know, niche products, um, that were we managed to make it into the mainstream supermarkets in New Zealand. Like as a small New Zealand business, it was so cool. Um, and then we uh, we were actually just about to go into Australian supermarkets. Like it was really cool. I think we'd um, we'd achieved some really great things. Um, but then we had some stuff that just didn't go so well for us. We were about to one of our products was a biltong product, so like a dried beef, kind of like jerky, a traditional South African product. We had just set up a manufacturing facility in Auckland to be able to produce um, large quantities of biltong so that we could supply coals in Australia. And uh, yeah, it was pretty exciting. And then the day before it was about to, we were going to do our first um, production run. We had it, the whole facility routine cleaned like a, um, a, um, a full clean that is, is pretty routine for that sort of thing. But um, something went wrong and like the wrong gas was used or the wrong cleaning products or something was wrong. And the, um, uh, basically all of the machinery got destroyed. There was like a thin layer of rust through all the machinery. So like all the moving parts, all the, the mechanics, all the bits you can't even see, like they're all destroyed overnight. And so that was a big setback because we were like, okay, well, what do we do now? We can't, we can't fulfill this order to Coles. So we had to tell Coles like, we we can't we can't make your product and so and so overnight we're like okay well they dropped us so they were like you, you can't supply us we we're gonna find someone else so we had this oh. we're like oh man and we just like spent all this money setting up this new facility right to supply coals so we're like oh we've invested a whole lot in that then we didn't get there was a a lot of um trouble with insurance um people um, not claiming liability and all sorts of stuff. So we weren't, we didn't get, there was a, an, an ongoing insurance scenario yeah, going yeah. on. Um, and then we didn't have coals and we all forked out all this money and it was just big drama. Um, and then uh, a little while after that, one of my business partners, um, he just went through a bit of a, 
you know, a personal, a personal thing that was, um, that took him out of the business. And, um, and he was like our main guy and all of the, the IP of the business, everything, all of the way that the business runs, the heart of the business was, was with him. And, um, and he was no longer able to work in the business. And so, um, we just sort of had to say goodbye to the business and yeah, it was really sad. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, art that was like a a whole sort of succession of like super bad luck that bloody i, I can't i can't believe that mm. story actually i know yes it is it is pretty quite bad luck it was uh, yeah it was um it's a real shame because it was a really cool coming yeah and i i i guess you know everything i mean it's so glib to say everything happens for a reason and and i'm not certainly not saying oh, everything happens for a reason but you know your life takes different paths depending on sort of what's gone on before right mm. so who knows how different things might have been for you had that not happened but um yeah mate had no idea Thanks I, see, for I reckon everything does happen for a reason and i'm i'm 100 that that happened for a reason i don't know what it is um well i'm probably i'm probably living through at the moment like so many things that have resulted from that business not not being a business anymore and I don't even realize it um and I know obviously you had plate me up um are there any other sort of food related st- things on the horizon for you guys no, or... so um so we had so it was actually it was plate up so Maddie and I started um plate up which was like a healthy ready-made meals business so we had that for like a couple of years um and that was pretty cool actually we we enjoyed that and then we exited out of that um a few years ago basically when we had our first child our boy milo we just wanted to focus on him so i mean it wasn't a a huge business by any means but it was um it was it was fun we enjoyed it and so we got out of that so we could focus more on our, our son and um we and and after we got out of that i I decided that I never want to have anything to do with any food businesses again. <laughs> um, <laughs> at, least, at least nothing with fresh food because fresh food is just so difficult um, with, with short shelf lives. And oh, it's just, um, it's a bit of a nightmare. And I think it's very difficult in our current food system with supermarkets and stuff um, to be a producer. I just think that margins are so small um, that it's um, that it can be very difficult for for small players you know um yeah and so yeah no nothing to do with food i'm um i'm currently working on a another little project at the moment which is uh, more to do with like a, a personal like with personal fitness equipment um and so i don't want to i don't want to say too much just because it's still very early days i'm not really too sure exactly where it's going to go or if it's even going to be a thing but um but i am just um yeah working on developing some exercise equipment workout equipment that i really want to use personally so um i thought you know what why don't i just see if i can actually develop something so yeah that's what i'm doing also so is it going to be some sort of like laird hamilton uh XPT training facility. Mm, no. nope. I know, I know um, what you mean. That would be cool. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'd love to do all this so much. Um, there's so much space, more like room in this health space to do some really cool stuff. Like, and I see it happening more and more. Um, there are like a bunch of studios doing like hot and cold therapies and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, 
which I think is brilliant. I think it's difficult. I think it'd be very difficult here in New Zealand to do that sort of thing. I think that our population is small and I think that we're a population that doesn't really like to spend money on our health. I know. You know, we don't value our health. Um, or yes, you know, we don't really see the value to, to pay money to do some, yeah, to do, yeah, to do some things that might improve our health. Um, Totally. And, yeah. you know, you've been in the personal training industry before. I'm a nutritionist and and both of us have that shared passion of wanting to share information. Um, but you're right, at some point, like, you need to do it in a way that also means that you're not running on the smell of an oily rag as well, right? Totally. And, it's, and, you know, as a runner, I know, you know, runners are another community that historically we don't like spending money. Mm. And I, I feel similarly of, like, when I think about the people I, I sort of work in business with who are in the States, like they just, it's, you know, they hand money over all the time, for the time for things, whereas we can't mm. necessarily uh, charge the same totally. for the similar service over there. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it'll change. I don't know. I feel like it's just uh, something about our culture. And I mean, to be honest, there are so many aspects of um, of health and ways to improve your health that do cost nothing, you know? Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. The biggest impact that you can probably have on your health, um, apart from, like, improving your sleep, would, would probably exercise. And, I mean, you can do that oh, for free. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. A hundred percent agree with you. And, you know, exercise, cold showers, making yourself uncomfortable, Um by way of, you know, aforementioned cold showers, but um, heat not as easy to do without a little bit of cash or a gym membership with a sauna or, I would, or whatever. I, I would like to actually um, investigate that a bit more. I don't know how many studies there have been done on on hot baths. I don't think there's been that many, I, um, or if there's been any at all, but I'm really interested, interested to know if you can get any benefit, like the similar benefits from a sauna by just having a really hot, bath i have heard that you can and i have i'm pretty sure i've seen a review on saunas that Rhonda patrick and a science journalist actually wrote about that and i believe that that they 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 say that a warm bath is or can be as beneficial but to be honest art when you sit in a warm bath it's almost like I mean, it goes cold after a while. I and... know. I was thinking about that. I reckon you're going to have to just yeah. continually put hot hot water into it. Yeah, I might, I I might so. do a little experiment. So, you know, I've got I've got a little whoop strap which measures my can can measure my heart rate. Um, and so I have that sometimes when I'm in the sauna. Um, and generally my heart rate is a kind of when I'm in the sauna anyway. It's a, it's a good kind of indicator of how. Um, how much my body is working and how hot it's getting because I'm having to breathe more and having to, my heart rate is um, pump is, um, is increased. Right. So on a, like a 20 minute sauna at say 90 degrees, my, my heart rate might go from 60 or 70 degree, uh, 60 or 70 beats per minute up to like 110 over the course of that time. So I might, might track my heart rate while in a, a hot bath and get that water like continuously at a certain temperature. I don't know what it will be. I'll just maybe have a go and see what it's at. Maybe take a thermometer yeah. in there and then yeah, um, yeah. and see what my heart rate does. And I'll report back to you. Do, do that. Um, 
art, obviously two young kids. Um, how's life as a dad? It's 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 amazing, eh? Like it's um it's so hard and so great at the same time. It's like the most intensive, relentless job that you don't get paid for. but it's it's also the most rewarding job yeah um yeah and it really depends on your mindset you know like I was um uh this morning so my my three-year-old son he is going through a phase where he comes and jumps into bed at like anytime between 2 a.m and 5 a.m he'll wake up from his bed and come and jump into bed with me and and like I, you know, sometimes I'll go put him back into his bed, and then other times I'm like, oh God, just just jump into bed. Um, that's fine. Because oh yeah, because Maddie, my wife, she's in a, in the spare room with our our daughter who's one because she the, our <laughs> daughter's not sleeping, so she she'll be in bed with her. And so yeah. we're like dividing and conquering. Anyway, I'm like lying there with my son, and he's, um, you know, and I think it was about four a.m. and he's wanting to lie pretty much on me. Um, because he, yeah, that's just how he feels very comfortable. So it's like, like so cute and snuggly and it's like lovely, but I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, oh man, this is so annoying. I'm just like, oh man, I just wish I was asleep. And then, um, and then I had to like try to turn my mindset around and just be like, actually, this is like one of the most amazing things, you know, having this little boy who just loves me so much. And, um, I know there'll be a time in my life when I would give anything to be to be back here lying in this bed and so I just needed to really to really try and um try and be grateful for that and I think that that's a lot of parenting is trying to um trying to put yourself in a mindset where you can be grateful for the present moment because there's so many times when you're just looking forward to being like oh I can't wait till they are you know out of nappies or I can't wait till they're at school when I'll have more time or I can't wait for this and that it's like well I'm sure that I'm going to get further ahead in life and wish I was right back to where I am right now so yeah amazing um yeah so um it's great from a um a practical point of view it's been it's been a transition for me like I've always had routine in the morning and routine during the day and um and now it's all out the window I have certain things that I like to do during the day in terms of like exercise and different health things um and um where I would normally have a set routine of exact times when I'm going to do them and now it has to be completely fluid and that's been a really cool mental shift for me because I thought like oh I need routine and um I function way better when I have routine but it's like actually I'm just gonna get better at not having routine and just be more fluid and um and it be okay and that's kind of what's been happening so it's been a really cool mental shift for me um figuring out how to function well without routine uh I can only imagine what that would be like because I as a routine person and stepmom who has teenagers and you know and like adult and teenager like I did not have that experience of having infants sort of in my life but um I talked to many parents who really struggle to let go of that um but you do mention of course that you've got your sort of non-negotiables so it might not happen at the time with which you would have um previously done them but what are these non-negotiable things that you do during the day art so I mean I've got I mean I've got so many different um tools that I can um 
can pull out of my little health tool box and use um, depending on how I feel, how much time I have. But I generally, like I'll need to do something every day that is going to be um, beneficial for my health. That's kind of how I, how my mind works. I'm like, if I'm not, if I'm not maintaining or improving my health um, every day, then I don't feel, you know, I don't know. I just don't feel right. I feel, um, I'll get a bit antsy, you know? <laughs> like I, yeah, yeah. Um, so every day I will, I mean, well, most days of the week I will do some form of um, exercise. So I'll, um, at the moment, I'm either doing resistance training at home using resistance bands or body weight, or I am at the gym um, using weights, probably about an hour. And uh, I do that at quite a high um, intensity in, in terms of uh, minimal rest. I like to, basically because I like to try and fit as much as I can <laughs> in as little time as I can. And also I like to have my, my heart rate elevated throughout. I just I feel a lot better when I do. And so I'll do that. Um, I then, um, I sometimes have an ice bath. I'll do that. Um, I've seen your setup. It looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I've converted a freezer to an ice bath. Um, pretty easy to do and really effective. And that enables me to just jump in the cold water whenever I feel like it. I don't need to um, prepare it, you know. It's always cold and I can jump in whenever. So um i do i also have a sauna so we we had a sauna built in a little dungeon room under our house um and uh so i will sauna probably three or four days a week and that's usually straight after exercise or at the end of the day when the kids are in bed and it's the time to unwind i'll have an ice bath usually after i have a sauna um but then I also will have a sauna. I'll have an ice bath sometimes just by itself. And when I have an ice bath just by itself, um, it's quite a different feeling to when I have one after a sauna. If I have a sauna and then I jump in the ice bath um, and then I get out of the ice bath, I'll feel I'll feel very relaxed, almost to the point of a bit spacey. Um, and uh, so, so, so sometimes I won't want to do that if I'm like having to look after the kids because then I'm like, well, I'm a bit too tired and spacey to, you know, get so energized and um, play around with you guys. Whereas if I just have just have an ice bath by itself for say two to three minutes, I'll get out of there and I am like, I've it's like I've had three coffees. I'm like just buzzing. I've got so much energy, and so I often have a, an ice bath just by itself around about four p.m. Um, I find that that's just a time where I want to have some nice um, energy. So I'll, I'll do that. Um, I have been through, so yeah. And then some other stuff I do, I um, have been through phases in my life where I've meditated quite a lot. Um, and I'm currently in a phase where I'm not meditating quite a lot. And uh, the reason for that is that I, is that I find with meditation, meditation is one that I do need routine for. Um, and without routine, oh, it just kind of goes out the window. Um, and when I only have, say, an hour, so if I'm looking after the kids, I might have like maybe an hour to myself during the day when I can do something. And so my exercise trumps all other health modalities for me because it has the biggest bang for buck in terms of my physical and mental well-being. So meditation takes a second seat. But when I do meditate, which is 
probably at the moment twice a week. I would like to mm. do it for two times, 20 minutes a day. Um, but at yeah. the moment it's like maybe two or three times a week and it will be um, usually Vedic meditation. It's a form of meditation that I do. And sometimes I try and meditate in the sauna, but it's very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and what else do I do? So um, well, I, what I will say is that you speak in the way that you think and as you know, you're sort of describing your thoughts and how you feel about things. You sound like a guy who has done quite a bit of meditation. And so, you know, I, I think that's, uh, I guess, you know, something like that is a skill that you'll always sort of have. And I imagine there'll be times in your life where you might need it more than others as well, but it sounds like you've got quite a good balance as it, as it is right now, right? Uh, totally. I think you definitely, um, you go through different phases of your life and things become more prominent when you need them. And so for me, I don't think I need uh, meditation as much right now. Um, I have these other modalities that I use that um, are very effective at um, helping with my mental well-being. Yeah, um, totally. And so... Uh, oh, yeah. oh, no, you go. Oh, I, was, I don't even know what I was going to say. <laughs> okay. Well, what I was going to ask you just to, because um, um, I'm mindful of time, but I do want to ask you... Um, What's your diet currently look like? Can you talk me through a typical day's food for you? Yeah. Because everyone wants to, everyone loves this stuff. Yeah. Typical day. Okay. So I, I will preface this by saying that up until about six months ago, I used to intermittent fast um, and I had done for probably five or six years. And by that, I mean, I probably have dinner at around about seven o'clock at night and then I wouldn't eat again until midday the next day. I might have a black coffee or a coffee with a little bit of cream in it in the morning, but I wouldn't have any food. And the reason I did that was um, because I knew that it would help me maintain a low body fat. And also, it actually just gave me more energy throughout the day. So I enjoyed um, intermittent fasting. I think it works really well for me. But I was also quite curious that I wasn't really putting on muscle, um, that much muscle. So in the last six months, I've started um, having breakfast, so not intermittent fasting, and also increasing my protein intake. Um, and as, as a result, I have been able to put on um, a bit more muscle, which has been, been quite cool to see and just experiment with. So my typical day, um, I get up in the morning whenever a child will wake me up. And I have a large, I'll have like a large glass of water. Sometimes I'll have, um, well, most mornings it'll be a large glass of water with some, um, some minerals in it. Um, I like to put minerals in my water, most water that I drink even. Like um, I'm drinking a drink bottle right now that I've got water in that I also put a few drops of my um, like concentrated mineral drops um, that have uh, like a full spectrum of, minerals that are found um, in natural water that we would drink out of a, a mineral spring say um, rather than the water that comes out of your tap which is stripped of all that so I like to replace those minerals so anyway big glass of water with minerals and then I will have a coffee with um, long black with cream and then at around about 9 30 or 10 <clears throat> whenever I'm sort of starting to feel hungry, which is usually around then, I'll make myself a, a protein smoothie 
and that usually, well, at the moment, is some ice, half a banana, some blueberries, some frozen blueberries, um, a scoop of uh, Mitchell's bone broth protein powder, which is delicious. It's a Kiwi company. Is that your friend, Mitch? No, it's um, it's completely different. It's this guy um, down in um, Tauranga who's, um, yeah, anyway, really cool, really nice protein powders. They taste delicious and they're really cool. So a scoop of that. And then I have um, two scoops of um, a natural unflavored whey protein isolate. And then I have Good on you. And two eggs and like two raw eggs, um, probably a cup of milk, um, full um, like organic cow's milk and uh, five grams of creatine. And that is about it in there. I th- oh, and a, and a tablespoon of peanut butter or cashew butter. Nice. Yeah. So that's my, that's my breakfast. And that's, um, that fills me up big time. And it's, and it has around about a hundred grams of um, protein in it, which is a, a very sizable um, amount of protein. And um, because that I'm is remarkable. Yeah. Because I'm trying to, I'm trying to achieve around about 200 grams of protein per day. Um, that means that I can kind of just tick, you know, half of that off the, off the list in one go. So I'll have that then I don't know for lunch um I probably would most likely eat leftovers from the previous um night previous night's dinner whatever they may be that would most probably be something to do with um it'd probably be a protein an animal-based protein and some some vegetables is what what that will be Yeah, yeah um then for dinner Again, that'll be yeah, animal-based protein and some vegetables. Um, and then sometimes I'll have some some chocolate at the end of the day. I, um, you know, people will say, you know, dark chocolate's the way to go. It's the best for your health and all that sort of stuff. And I say, that's great, but I love, I love Whitaker's Almond Gold and it's just <laughs> so delicious. And so, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Well, sometimes nice. I'll have a bit of that at the end of the day, yeah. Yeah, nice. Art, um, who do you look to for your sort of inspiration in health and wellness? I look to yourself. Um, I, <laughs> I love I love following you on, you on Instagram and um, and checking in on different things that you're um, talking about from a nutritional point of view. I think it's brilliant the stuff that you're um, you're sharing. I look to. I think you, you mentioned uh, Rhonda Patrick before. I think she's got some great information when it comes to. Um, heat and cold and exercise from a scientific point of view. Um, in the past, I've really followed um, a guy called Ben Greenfield. He's an American um, who is very knowledgeable in so many aspects of health. Um, more recently, probably in the last six to six months to a year, he's kind of um, gone a bit more. Gone a bit wayward. Yeah, he's gone a bit more spiritual, yeah. which um, I yeah. think like that's awesome for him. Um, but for the what I want, I'm I'm more seeking um, other information, um, and so uh, it's a bit hit and miss for me. And um, uh, who else? I think got to be Huberman. Yeah, I mean Huberman's awesome, eh? Andrew Huberman. He's um, he really 
like he's great himself because he knows the science of the brain and um and all of that stuff very well and and speaks very well and he's very concise um but his podcast is great because he actually gets on some really cool guests that um that share some really cool stuff too um there's a guy i'm just trying to think what his name is oh there's a guy Oh, Jeff Cavalier, Jeff Cavalier. Um, he has an, an account called Athlean X. And, um, yeah, he's he's a, he's a really good trainer, and so I get some some good little training tips from him. Um, yeah, those are the main ones, I think. Nice and um, and alcohol, yay or nay? Mm, for me personally, I I don't have a problem with alcohol. Um, meaning like I I don't try and avoid it um i just don't really i just sort of can't be bothered I, I like at the end of the day i will maybe i'll have a red wine sometimes um and but most of the time i'm like i think i'd rather just have like a kombucha and the and sometimes i'll have some beer and uh and sometimes i feel fine from the beer and then other times i'll be like lying in bed and i'll be like oh i like won't sleep very well and i'll just feel a bit and i just don't feel myself so feel a bit funny so um i probably yeah i don't i don't drink much alcohol at all yeah and uh favorite food art oh favorite food man that's a great question um i love i love homemade burgers yeah, love making my own burgers. That would be my favorite. Yeah. Nice. And uh, finally, is it a coincidence that you have a son called Milo or are you sponsored by Nestle? <laughs> the truth comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and now we know. <laughs> oh, oh, funny. Cute name, though. Love it. Love yeah. it. And awesome as well. Like, so gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're cool little kids. Yeah. Cool. Uh, thank you so much for your time this morning and, of course, for the, your patience with my technical challenges earlier. Oh, no um, So I am, you know, I really love this conversation just because you're such a genuine guy who has a real passion for health and wellness and that really speaks to me and um, I love it. And I um, love following you on social media and I love the little tips that you give because they are absolutely in the realm of what people can do. You know, it's not just up there for the upper echelons of society to hand over uh, like a wad of cash. It's things like, hey, you know, sort your balance out when you're in the shower. Here are some really simple things that you can do, which um, I appreciate. And, you know, I know that other people do as well. So for anyone living under a rock who isn't familiar with how to find you can you just share that information with us sure so um my instagram account is art underscore green and i think that's pretty much i mean i was on facebook but i don't really use it so instagram's probably the one to go for sweet uh thank you so much Mm -hmm. no worries thank you What a delight to chat to that guy and just super down to earth and cool. So I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Next week on the podcast, we do a bit of a geeky deep dive into irritable bowel syndrome and 
tactics we can do to help alleviate symptoms, what even is it, how do probiotics help, what kind of diet strategies are actually worth it, and I talked to one of the experts in the field, Professor Eamon Quigley. Until then though, you can catch me over on Facebook at Mickey Willardin Nutrition. But for more active sort of what I'm up to right now, go over to Instagram and follow me at Mickey Willardin, Twitter at Mickey Willardin, or as mentioned earlier on my website, MickeyWillardin.com to sign up to one of my meal plans or book a one-on-one consult with me. All right, team, you have a great week. Speak soon. Bye.